This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald with great news to share with our valued 24-7 sports VIP members. As a way of saying thank you, a subscription to a CBS all-access commercial-free plan is now included with your 24-7 sports VIP membership at no additional cost. Watch all of your favorite shows on demand along with exclusive access to GoPowerCat's award-winning and one-of-a-kind coverage of Kansas State sports. Stream more than 10,000 episodes all access originals and live TV, including NFL on CBS games. Enjoy the CBS all access commercial free plan, a $99 and 99 cent annual value for the lifetime of your 24 seven sports VIP membership. It's an incredible added value for our subscribers and it's time you probably take advantage of this deal and become a go Powercat member. And remember to subscribe to the PowerCat Podcast at your favorite podcast provider, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Now, here is your PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast, presented by Robbins Motor Company, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC Gig Powered Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. K-State will head back on the road this week following its 38-10 victory over rival Kansas as it travels to Austin, Texas to face the Texas Longhorns. The game, which will kick at 2.30 p.m., will air on ESPN. The contest can also be heard across the 39-station K-State Sports Network with Wyatt Thompson on the call. K-State has won three games in a row following its victory over Kansas and Lawrence and is bowl eligible under first-year head coach Chris Kleiman. And when the first edition of the college football rankings were released on Tuesday night, K-State appeared at number 16. Welcome to the GoPowerCat.com PowerCat pregame podcast. Podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. K-State has rushed for 1,738 yards this year on 361 carries, which includes 550 yards over the Wildcats' last two contests. The Wildcats Cats also have 25 rushing touchdowns, including 11 in those last two weeks, after tallying only 20 rushing scores all of last year. Leading that running attack last week at KU was quarterback Skylar Thompson, in part because K-State basically played the game without its top two running backs. 
James Gilbert sat out the contest while Jordan Brown took only two carries and did not return. Both are expected to play in Austin. Defensively, K-State played its best game of the season at Kansas, but also lost cornerback A.J. Parker to an ankle injury. Parker will not play at Texas and may be lost for a number of weeks. Coming off its second and final bye week of the 2019 season, Texas holds a 5-3 and three overall record, including a 3-2 and two mark in Big 12 play. K-State, Texas, and Iowa State are all tied for third in the conference standings. The Longhorns started the season 4-1 and one with a narrow defeat at the hands of LSU, now the number one team in the Associated Press top 25. But UT has dropped two of its last three games. Quarterback Sam Ellinger has thrown for 2,378 yards and 23 touchdowns on 199 of 303 attempts, while he is also the team's third leading rusher with 361 yards and has a team high five rushing touchdowns. Juwan Mitchell leads Texas with three sacks, but the Longhorns are last in the Big 12 in total sacks this season. Ellinger will be a big test for this blossoming Kansas State defense, and Coach Kleiman spoke earlier this week about why Scotty Hazleton's defense is improving as the season wears on. I just think our guys are, are understanding more of our scheme, more of what Coach Hayes and the, and the defensive staff are, are, are trying to implement. Um, they're feeling more comfortable. Uh, it goes back to the same thing. Our practices are getting better on that side of the ball. We're not having to repeat as many things. Um, the guys just are, are just learning the system better. And that's, that's all you really can say is, you know, we, we played a few games, had an off week, played a game, have a couple off weeks, and, and all those reps are starting, all those banked reps are starting to pay off. And now let's launch into our Go Powercat roundtable session here on the Powercat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Tim Fitzgerald, that's me, Ryan Wallace on the phone, Riley Gates and D. Scott Fritchin, your Go Powercat staff, your trusty fellows from GoPowerCat.com. We just heard Chris Kleiman talk about the advancement of his defense for these Wildcats, how much better they're getting. Ryan Wallace, they were really good last week. That K-State defense absolutely baffled the University of Kansas. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Brent Deerman coming in, about all the different changes that the Jayhawks had made and all the, you know, I listed a litany of statistics of all the different averages that they had increased. And here comes K-State and just absolutely stymies that offense. An offense that we all admit and still admit, you know, has better playmakers than Kansas has had in, in quite some time. Andrew Parchment was, uh, you know, almost unheard of for most of that game. The way that they've been able to uh, stymie Puka Williams now for, I think, feels like two straight years uh, where they've come in with, with, you know, heralded Puka and the, the way that they've just completely negated his speed and allowed him to get into the open field is, is really amazing. I think above all else, Spitz, what we've seen the last couple weeks is not only a defense that's starting to understand what Scotty Hazleton wants from them, they're starting to grasp this defense, um, but I think they're also just starting to um, really play around uh, the veterans. Um, and you're seeing some of these guys learn from prior mistakes. The Quan Patton has been tremendous. Um, we're seeing you know, the difference he's made from junior year to senior year. 
Um, Wyatt Hubert continues to get a little bit better, a little bit better. And the secondary, you know, obviously we'll talk about A.J. Parker, I'm sure, later today. But prior to his injury, I mean, what he was doing has been nothing short of phenomenal, the progress he's made this season. But Riley Gates will go to Texas without A.J. Parker. Well, they might take him, but he will not be available to play. Their top cornerback against the team in Texas and has some pretty darn good receivers. How big of a loss is it for K-State's defense? I mean, I think it's brutal. You know, obviously the, the top defender on your team leads you in interceptions right now, and, and A.J. has answered the call this year when it came to you know, we said before the start of the season, K-State needs a guy, a dude out at corner. And and we didn't think that they had that. But then A.J. stepped up and he became that. You know, he, he's done a very good job of, of limiting these uh, elite explosive receivers in Big 12 play so far. I think he's kept them in check pretty well. So, yeah, losing him is... Uh, I think it's a blow that you, you really cannot emphasize enough um, how important he is to the defense. However, I, I feel good with Kevion McGee stepping in there. Um, I think they have some options there, potentially maybe even see some Lance Robinson. You know, I don't know exactly what they're thinking. Um, we kind of talked about it this week in, in our group text message, just with like, you know, the how they want to play with the nickel. That kind of shifts some people around too. But uh, they have some options to come in and replace AJ, um, and, and I think that they're. They're not, you know, scrubs. I think they're quality players yeah, to come in, but um, th- there's no, there's no way you can look past this and say it's not a big deal because um, I think Texas can target the replacement now and um, really kind of attack them with one of the nation's best quarterbacks. Next topic: Kansas State is six and two, three and two in the Big Twelve. Picked ninth in the conference, and now they're tied for third with Texas and Iowa State with four games to go. Oh, and by the way, somehow they're ranked 16th in the first college football playoff rankings. Just like we all saw coming. I'm more surprised by that than the 6-2. and two. That 6-2 and two got them that high is impressive. Boy, D. Scott Fritch and K-State's in a good position as they go to Austin. Yeah, who would have thought? You know, it's been quite the journey for K-State. I really enjoyed talking to the players throughout the week just about this this climb that they've been on. Uh, talking with Colin Klein also about it. Remember in 2011, they kind of took a climb as well, and he was just talking about the similarities between that 2011 squad and this squad, just from the sole basis of just getting a little bit better each day, and you talk about Chris Kleiman and about attack each day, each play, and so on and so forth, and it's really paid dividends for this team. Right now, K-State has its longest Big 12 winning streak since 2016 and has reached bowl eligibility its earliest in the season since 2014. Ryan Wallace, as you uh, see the college football playoff rankings unveiled on Tuesday night, I don't know about you, but I was expecting K-State to be in them, but not at 16. How stunned were you by that? Uh, Really stunned? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, there's no other way around it. You got through what they show, like, the first five, and so you're kind of wondering, all right, no K-State in that one, and... You know, then they're they're kind of coming up on that that next five, and you're just going, well, okay, K State might be what you know, 19th here, something like that. But I mean, to knock on the door of the top 15, I think it says a lot about how much they take into account um, what Kansas State did against Oklahoma. Uh, I, I think they're giving a little bit of credit to that win at Mississippi State. I know fans have kind of moved past that now, but. You know, Mississippi State, you know, isn't the team they were last year, but I don't think maybe this committee feels they're as bad as maybe the country views them. 
Um, and I, I think that they're giving a lot of credit to the Big 12 as well um, and understanding what Chris Kleiman and this team are, are having to go through. So I think you, you pile all that together, and, and I guess it warrants a 6-2 a and two Kansas State team knocking on the door of the top 15. The biggest thing that it, it speaks to is the fact that I don't think that they think K-State's winning by flukes. You know, I think that they've they've taken note of how uh, dominant K-State's been in some of these wins. You know, the Oklahoma win ends up being a, a seven-point game, but I think they understand how that game went. Um, and all you have to do is look at the, the team at 17 right there in Minnesota. Undefeated. Um, you know, I think they're 13th in the AP poll, and yet K-State's ahead of them with, with two losses in the college football playoff rankings. Obviously, that uh, stirred up some controversy in the national media this week. But Gotta uh, play people. Yeah, that is a message. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it it's really means a lot for, for what K-State's done with those wins. Well, it really even adds another layer of intrigue into this game because we talked about it in Wednesday's Questions podcast. What is K-State's bowl projections and where they would end up? We talked about Orlando with the Camping World Bowl. Horrible name. We talked about the Alamo Bowl. The matchup may be better in Florida, but the Alamo Bowl is a little more prestigious. Guys, it looks like if they continue to win, they will be in a New Year's Day 6 Bowl. I mean, they will earn their spot in whether or not they're in the Big 12 championship. There's a chance they could end at 10-2 and and have Baylor and, and Oklahoma be 11-1, and and they would meet. The rankings might drive K-State still into the game. It's incredible to me. It's absolutely baffling to me. But back to this game a little bit, D. Scott, K-State's offense, since they started running Skylar Thompson as a, you know, using him to carry the ball again, they've really hit their stride at the right time of the season. It's been unbelievable, Fitz. You know, much credit to Courtney Messingham and this this offense. Uh, Most yards against Oklahoma in 11 years. And then the next week against Kansas, they rack up their most yardage against a Big 12 team since 2016, which is incredible. But, yeah, the the option is alive and well in K-State's playbook, apparently. <laughs> they, they've been working on that. And, uh, and credit Skylar Thompson, this offensive line, what can you say? It's been dominant. They, they've done a great job. Um, I've really enjoyed seeing the balance in this offense. You know, and then Skylar Thompson – 30 rushes, 166 yards, and seven touchdowns against these two teams. You know, most rushing touchdowns since Colin Klein in 2012. It's just really unbelievable. And he, he's on the verge now of becoming just the fourth quarterback in case of history to have 3,000 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards in a career. That's amazing. Skylar Thompson's really settled into a comfort zone. He was uncomfortable for two or three games in the Big 12. He was really not very comfortable against TCU until he broke loose for that run. It's almost like once he gets running, it helps him mentally. The line has protected. The line has made the running game much easier. They ran the ball, Ryan Wallace, without their top two guys in Lawrence. This offense is clicking right now, but it's really all about Skylar Thompson and that offensive line. It's It's been a really um, almost a magical transformation here as K-State's picked up steam and won three in a row. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I credit give credit where credit is due, and, and Skylar Thompson deserves a lot of that, um, just his maturation over this, the period of this year. But uh, I think he hit the, the nail on the head with the offensive line. I think they got back to the drawing board um, mid-season, particularly like right after the Baylor game, um, had that that week with the, to prepare for TCU and and obviously Oklahoma and on down the line. And I think Connor Riley and Courtney Messingham 
Chris Kleiman went back to the drawing board, figured out, you know, what was really working for them as far as the gap assignments, especially with the interior. Um, you know, we've seen Adam Holtorf really get back to the, the play that we saw him have earlier in the year. And it's kind of just extended there out. But I really think you've got to give credit where credit is due, um, not only to Skylar Thompson, but the interior of this offensive line. Uh, you know, France and Kaltmeyer have been have been effective. You know, don't get me wrong, but I think what the guards and Adam Holtorf have been able to do these last few weeks has really been what's propelled Skyler Thompson's feet, um, but also just the, the horses that they have in the stable of the backfield, regardless of who's toting it. Yeah, they're moving defensive players around. They're kind of manipulating them. A lot of it's pre-snap confusion by the defense. Offensive linemen flying at them from different angles. Uh, but the running backs have been pretty good. They got through last week against a beaten-down KU defense with Harry Trotter as the primary back, but we saw some other guys step in. This week, though, Riley, they're supposed to have back their horses. James Gilbert and Jordan Brown and Harry Trotter, they will be back to being able to use that inverted wishbone, the three guys scattered around Skylar Thompson. I think they'll use it. I think it'll be fun to watch. I think they'll have to use it. You know, I think uh, you're going to want to find ways to confuse this Texas defense. Um, I, I think the I think the passing game is going to be really hard to come by for K-State in this game just with all the, the injured players that Texas is getting back in the secondary. And so I think the running game is going to have to be the source of success for this K-State offense. And obviously that, that inverted wishbone is going to be key because it's very hard to stop. You know, you just don't know who's getting the ball out of that um, and, you know, unless you're psychic. I mean, there's really no way to, to predict it. Um, I, I think that James and Jordan are both, you know, I think they'll probably both play. Uh, they'll probably be healthy technically at, at around 100%, but also likely to aggravate an injury, you know, yeah. if, it, if it gets a little physical. So, you know, keep an eye out for that. But it, is it weird that I feel comfortable even if, you know, they're not at 100% or they can't go as much? Because I think we saw a lot out of Harry Trotter. Um, I, I just feel like maybe he hasn't gotten his shot because of James and Jordan being ahead of him. And I think Joe Irvin is a very capable, capable back right behind him if they decide to burn his red shirt in this game. And you also, yeah, I think they will too. And you also have Tyler Burns, who we saw kind of get in there and and get some action. So, yeah, you want James Gilbert and Jordan Brown back there. It's obviously going to make the offense click a whole lot better. Running game is going to be a lot smoother. But I like their options, no matter who they're going to. Maybe I'm being a little bit blinded by KU, but I I feel really good about where the running game's at. Well, let's have a reminder here that. They survived KU without their top two running backs. People stepped up. They survived Mississippi State without Wyatt Hubert. People stepped up. There's no indication so far that they won't get through A.J. Parker and the problems that might present now that they have to play without him, at least at Texas, and probably for longer than that. Speaking of injuries, boy, did the Texas defense have a lot of injuries so far this season. They had the off week last week. They healed up. They expect some of these guys to be back, but they still are probably going to be rusty. They have to show some consistency on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, they really do. You know, Fitz, I think that if K-State has its way and is able to establish a run early and punch them in the mouth, they're going to really have success against this Texas defense. Texas, ladies and gentlemen, is giving up its most total yards per game this season than it has during any season in the last decade, Mm. which is amazing. Right now they're eighth in the Big 12 and allowing 4.53 yards per carry. Yes, they do get Stearns back, Caden Stearns and B.J. Foster in the secondary. Um, They could get some other guys back, but I just don't know. 
if they're going to have the consistency and be able to gel against this Kansas State offense, which all, all of a sudden is just racking up some really substantial yards. That's where I'm at right now. I can't decide where I'm leaning on Texas players getting back. Caden Stearns is a phenomenal safety, and I, I think that he takes this Texas defense and makes it drastically different. But like D. Scott just pointed out, they got that rust. They they haven't played in a while. You know, Caden Stearns hasn't been on the field. I think the Oklahoma State game for Texas. So, where where am I at on that? It's just very tough for me to decide right now. Oh, Ryan Wallace, the front of this Texas defense, they they keep talking about these injuries in the back end. I will accept that that it's been dramatic and has affected them, but they haven't been able to stop the run, and they they're dead last in the Big Twelve in sack yardage. The front of this Texas defense has not played up to advertisements. This is an area that K-State's offensive line can really take advantage of. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I do think that, you know, when you look at the defensive line that the Longhorns are going to throw out, it's not as imposing as uh, Baylor or TCU. Um, you know, it, 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 honestly, it's more like Oklahoma, you know, and to me. And we saw what Kansas State was able to do, you know, against the, the front um, that the Sooners put up. But I don't know. I, I think – you know, maybe I'm going against. Maybe I'm being pessimistic here. Um, maybe I'm not putting as much stock into the KU game. But um, you know, I I think the injuries um, are more telling for the statistics that the Texas defense has allowed um, than I think most people are, are willing to lead on. You know, I do think the back half of that of uh, that Texas secondary um, will impact the run game. You know, and I think not having them has has really hurt. You're looking at at guys that you know they they had five starters in that season opener that have missed 20 of 64 games. You know, I mean, we're looking at players that you know 24 healthy games from a lot of key players, like thir- some like less than 40 percent of, of of guys have, that are key contributors have been available for Todd Orlando. I think this Texas defense, if you go back and you watch them play LSU, you go back and you watch them play Louisiana Tech, they're not that bad, and that's because a lot of these players were healthy. Now you're getting them with a week's rest. And, oh, by the way, they have a ranked team coming into Austin. And, oh, by the way, they're coming off a loss. Um, all of those things historically have been really good for Texas. That's good news for Texas. They're 10-2 and two as a home favorite since 2017, 10-2 and two after a loss since 2017. I, I, as good as Kansas State has been, the pessimist in me says, this is uh, looking like a very daunting task um, for a team that's kind of ripe for an upset. Okay, who invited the realist into this discussion? Well, he just used the word upset for Texas over Kansas State. How about that? It's, it's <laughs> kind of funny. We will say this about Texas. Uh, they are at a crossroads. They really are. I want to start with you, Riley Gates. This Texas team... Man, I'm telling you what, I don't know where they're at. Are they backed up against the wall and ready to come out fighting like an injured animal? Or are they an injured animal that wants to limp off in the bushes and is waiting to be finished off? I, I think if you're Texas, you, you have to be in the mindset of that this is a must-win game. They need to be. I mean, we're not just talking about a Texas team that at the start of the season wanted to win the Big 12. This was a Texas team that wanted to play for the college football playoff. Now, they're not going to be in that discussion, obviously. Um, it doesn't really matter what they do down the stretch. They're not going to be there. But the Big 12 championship is still in play for them, as, as kind of wild as that is to believe. But it's still in there. Um, and I think that Texas really knows – you know, this is going to be this is going to come off as a very unsuccessful season, considering how last year ended 
if you don't start doing something with this and um, getting beat by Kansas State after a bye week, that would not be a good look. So I I, I think Texas personally is going to come out very fired up to play, but I, I think Kansas State's on the same page right now. I mean, I think they know what they can do with this, um, how much of a statement win it would be. I just I'm not anticipating Texas being kind of battered down and, and a little bit hiding in the bushes, like you said. D. Scott, I use the word crossroads in setting that up for Riley. This Texas team really is at a crossroads. If you talk to people out of Austin, and we will in a little bit talk to our friends from Horns 24-7, there's a lot of talk about Herman. And kind of teetering right now, people have lost a lot of faith in him this season. I don't know if that's fair, but this is a biggie for Texas. Yeah, Riley, you and I were both in, in Arlington for Big 12 Media Day, and we heard how confident Tom Herman was when he spoke about the CFP and about the lofty aspirations for Texas. They began the season at number 10. Now they're completely out of the AP poll. And just the fact that Tom Herman had to address the situation, I think, speaks volumes because this quote was, we're on the ropes. You can do one or two things. You can fight all your way off the ropes, or you can tell your trainer to throw in a towel. From all accounts, everybody is pushing in the same direction. Now, just for him to say that. It says a lot. To admit that they're having that kind of level of of doubt and problems in that locker room, Ryan Wallace, I think this is a make-or-break game for, for Coach Herman. You lose to Kansas State right now in front of your home crowd. Whatever it is about Kansas State, they they just can't quite get out of their head that they should be so far superior to Kansas State. So a loss to the Wildcats seems magnified, even though K-State, as you just said, is the better team. Is this a huge game for Tom Herman? I think it's a big game, but at the end of the day, I, I think what's going to keep Tom Herman at his post in Texas is the fact that he still has according to 247 Sports, the number six recruiting class in the country. Uh, This is a defense that, as we've talked about, is very young, an offense that's also been without um, some key playmakers, especially in the backfield. And I think at the end of the day, you're going to think about, is Tom Herman uh, and his his post as head coach worth losing um, right now the Big 12's number one recruiting class and uh, what should be uh, a top 10, possibly top five recruiting class coming in in 2020. And I just don't know if uh, at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, if Texas administration and, and fans are going to want to mess with that. Very good point. As we round out this round table, let's talk a little hoops in this football preview show because hoops opened on Tuesday night with a nice win over North Dakota State. Now they go to Vegas to play in UNLV. What did you think about the team rally gates in that opener? Well, you know, I think it was a tale of two halves, really. I mean, you're, you're 10 of 30 from the floor in the first half. You're 1 of 12 from the outside. And I thought they were taking poor shots. I thought they were playing bad defense. I mean, it just wasn't the K-State basketball we've come accustomed to watching. And then they come out in the second half far more aggressive. We saw Cartier Jada and Xavier Sneed really take over and put it on their plate to say, hey, we're, we're going to make sure this does not a drastic flip. And, you know, then they shoot 50% from the floor. The defense got a little bit better. 
look, this is a team that obviously lost a lot from last year. Um, and they're trying to replace it, not only just replace it, but replace it with youth. We, we're seeing freshmen on the floor all the time. We're seeing uh, David Sloan, the junior college transfer, on the floor a lot. So it, it's going to take some time for this team to really start to find itself just because it is so new. Um, and it's a system, like we've talked about before, that requires a lot of time and, and continuity in it. So, you know, you just kind of got to be patient. There's going to be some lumps along the way. There's going to be some disappointing performances, I think. And you just got to be careful to not overreact to it one way or the other um, because I think this is going to be a very back-and-forth team and, and one that, you know, they, they might show up and somehow beat KU one week and then they might lose to TCU the, the next week. So I just don't know where they're at right now. And um, I think it's going to be a, a pretty interesting and fun journey to kind of watch as they find themselves. I agree. And you will fill in for me on the Powercat Postgame Podcast with Brian Hanley. You will both be in Austin together, so that's kind of fun. And I will be in Las Vegas with the basketball team to provide coverage for our Go Powercat subscribers. Well, that will do it for the roundtable session. Thank you, Ryan Wallace, D. Scott Fritchen, and Riley Gates. And as we transition now into a long discussion I had with our colleagues at the 24-7 Texas site, Chip Brown and Taylor Estes, let's hear from Coach Chris Kleiman on just how good this Texas defense can be. Uh, they have great length uh, on defense. They're really physical. Uh, they run to the ball really well. Uh, there's pressures coming from all over the place, uh, and uh, you know we'll have our hands full, uh, making sure that uh, we can protect Skyler. You know we have to be able to run the football some. Um, you know are they going to allow us to, to rush the football like we did last week? Probably not. So we have to find some ways to uh, be creative and be efficient in the passing game. We continue our discussion of K-State at Texas on Saturday now with our colleagues from Horns 24-7, the one and only Chip Brown and the one and only Taylor Estes, two of my dear friends in this industry. Welcome to the Powercat pregame podcast. Um, I'm a little confused. Let's, Chip, let's start with you. I'm a little confused by Texas. I... Uh, I'm sure you are too. Not alone. Yeah, I I expected so much more from them this season. How disappointing has this year been? Well, it's been really, really disappointing to me on the offensive side of the ball, Fitz, because you look at the injuries on defense, and even with the injuries on defense and guys playing hurt, um, which we saw against West Virginia and Oklahoma, the defense made plays to ignite the team. In those games, I mean, the offense was kind of plodding along, and then it was an interception by Delhi a day away against West Virginia that kind of sparked uh, the team. And then four interceptions later, three short field touchdowns later, Texas pulls away from West Virginia. Then against Oklahoma, it's the defense that saves their bacon because OU's going up and down the field like it's nothing. But when they get in the red zone, Texas turns them over keeps them in the game, and ties the game 10-10 in the third quarter. But it's 10-10. I mean, the Texas defense is doing its job. Sam Ellinger and the offensive line getting sacked nine times in that game, which matches a school record of the Miami Hurricanes mm. who demoralized Texas in the 91 Cotton Bowl. And, um, I mean, it's just it's, – it's confounding to me that the offense, which is Tom Herman's side of the ball – right. Uh, it's just not gotten it going. They, then, what, four interceptions from Sam Ellinger in a loss to TCU where Texas was ahead 20-13 to 13 midway through the third quarter. That was a winnable game that the offense threw away. So it's, it is confusing. It's confounding. 
when I asked Tom Herman about the offense and its lack of fluidity and in, in in progress. I mean, the sign of a well-coached team is week-to-week improvement, right. and that offense has not been getting better. Fitz and Sam Ellinger, it's like Oklahoma took their lunch money and kind of kicked him in the face, and, and the offensive line hasn't really recovered from it. Ellinger hasn't recovered from it. Tom Herman hasn't recovered from it. I think it's it's been a mess, and it's that I, that's what I want to see Saturday against K-State. Does, does Tom Herman... And his, you know, play calling and Sam Ellinger and this offensive line, are they on the same page? Because they have the nation's leader in receptions it, it, in Devin Duvernay and Colin Johnson's a six foot six monster. They don't have any excuses, Fitz, and this yeah. offense is not getting it done. Yeah, Duvernay is a horrible matchup for K State. This, I mean, AJ Parker, if he was healthy, would be covering him, and he's only five ten. <clears throat> and then, you know, his substitute might be a little bit bigger, but it's just it's a bad matchup for any defensive secondary. Let's be honest, Taylor. Let's stay into the touchy feely stuff, so to speak. Uh, I didn't expect to be talking about discontent among the Longhorn Nation with Coach Tom Herman, but here we are, starting to hear the grumblings, and frankly. This is kind of the vicious cycle Texas gets itself caught into, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, I think one thing that those of us who have covered Texas and who were there when Tom Herman was hired, I think a lot of us recognized that his style was going to be extremely tough. His culture was going to be extremely tough. And if anything was going to be his demise, it might be his ego. And I really think that, you know, what you're seeing from Texas right now what we're hearing behind the scenes, there it's kind of surprising because you would have thought that Texas is a 500 team right now based off of the way that things are going here in Austin. You would have thought that they lost the game to Kansas. Now, no offense to Kansas, but beating Kansas by a last-minute field goal and only winning by two points is kind of like a loss in these parts just because you know Texas fans, Texas supporters, Texas boosters, everybody expects those games to be blowout wins. And so I think that... You know, I think a lot of the issue right now is the culture is a really, really difficult thing for a lot of players to really come into. Um, you know, Texas has had two players enter the NCAA transfer portal within the last couple of weeks and three enter the portal um, so far this year. And, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with the culture of Tom Herman. And, it, you know, that works when you're winning. It does, you know, and I think you see that at Alabama. Nobody thinks that Nick Saban's a pushover. I mean, let's be honest about it. You know, everyone sees him as a tough, you know, hard-nosed type of coach, but you don't hear a lot of the discontent like you're hearing here because it works and they're winning. Um, a 5-3 and three Texas team that is showing, you know, as, as Chip mentioned, a lot of um, issues on Tom Herman's side of the ball is making it probably a little bit worse right now, um, especially among people that are close to the program because you know, the one thing entering this season that everybody expected was the offense to be good. You know, Sam Ellinger returned. Sam Ellinger only progressed his sophomore season. You know, the sky was kind of a limit for him entering his uh, junior year. And Tom Herman's offense performed really well last year in 2018 and started off the season doing pretty well. So the games against Oklahoma and TCU, I mean, those were, I think, a bit of a surprise for a lot of people for a number of reasons, but it was because of the offensive issues they were showing. So, you know, when you have a hard-nosed coach like Tom Herman 
and already he's going to rub players the wrong way and rub people the wrong way by the way he handles himself. And then his side of the ball starts fiddling. And, you know, he's saying a lot of times in our press conferences when we talk to him, you know, he's giving no excuses for the defense. Yet now he's being questioned and his offense being questioned. All we're hearing are excuses for the offense right now. So yeah. it's just kind of interesting. I think a lot of people are seeing through that. So it's going to be a tough challenge. I think, I think this game is going to show a lot of where this team is from an inside standpoint based off of how they can come together having two weeks to prepare. I mean, if they look unprepared against Kansas State, then I think the discontent in the locker room is you know, kind of shining through. Yeah, and I'll be honest, K-State's a team right now, Chip, that can make you look bad. And they, they do things so unconventionally, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. They kind of confounded a very good Oklahoma defense. What we thought was a great you know progression by Oklahoma. They look like the same old defense as K-State beat the Sooners 48-41. Uh, but let's keep it on the Texas offensive side of the ball. I want to stay there because I don't understand this. I, Sam Ellinger is, is is one of my favorite players in the conference. You know, for anyone who's watched Colin Klein at K-State, he has so many similar traits. You know, a bulldog, not just as a physical runner, but as a leader. And yet they, they are struggling, and he is struggling. And for a quarterback progressing down his, you know, through his career, that doesn't seem to be, there's a disconnect there. He should be getting better, and it looks like he's stepping back. Try to break down a little bit more what's gone wrong in this Texas offense. Well, I think what you've got is a little bit of a disjointed offensive um, play-calling system. Hmm. You know, I get the feeling that Tom Herman, as the head coach, who did not start off calling plays in year one, but then took over the play calling when Sam Ellinger was falling apart uh, after the the opening game against Maryland last year where he throws two interceptions in the final five minutes of a five-point game, hmm. twice had the offense in position to win it and ended up turning the ball over. I think Herman became very hands-on at that point and basically took over you know, the the mental uh, guru approach with Sam Ellinger and the evolution of the offense. Well, listen, people have film. The coaching in this league is really good. And there are new faces on defense. I mean, Alex Grinch had, uh, you know, first of all, Texas gave him some bulletin board material when Sam Cosme, the, the stud left tackle for Texas, was talking about, yeah, looking at OU on film, you know, they're good athletes, but nothing too much to worry about. And they haven't really played anyone. And, you know, this will be a good test for that. I mean, my God, Neville Gallimore came out looking like Casey Hampton and destroyed them in mm -hmm. nine sacks later, 15 tackles for loss later. I don't, again, I don't think this offensive line has recovered. Well, that's Tom Herman's job. That's right. Tom Herman's job to get them settled down, get them into plays that work. And against TCU, they're running four verticals. And I asked Tom Herman about this, which he likes to do. He likes to run the four verticals. And the check down is the back. Well, Sam was having the back in helping to protect. There was no check down. So he's getting pressured. He's trying to do too much. He doesn't have the check down. And then he's turning the ball over. Okay, well, at some point, don't you go to the sideline and say, Tom Herman says to Sam Ellinger, hey, you can't keep the back end to block. If we're running for verticals, he's got to be your check down. And I guess at some point, Sam Ellinger's got to say, well, then let's stop running for verticals. Yeah. 
because we don't have the time to get the, that play developed in, and it just doesn't seem like they're on the same page. Now, as Taylor said, okay, you've had two weeks to prepare. They've had kumbaya. He sent the players home after classes on Friday, said, hey, come back late on Sunday. Everybody says they got rest and they're they're fresh and charged and focused. Let's see it. I I, I mean, people are asking me, is Texas going to cover? I'm like, is Texas going to cover? Is Texas going to win? I mean, I'm tempted not to pick them until they win another game because the way that this has been shoot-ready aim on offense, and again, that side of the ball, that surprises me. I, I sort of gone out on a limb earlier this year when they went up against Oklahoma saying, hey, don't forget, Herman had one of his best play-calling jobs against Oklahoma last year, and he outfoxed um, Lincoln Riley yeah. at 48-45 win where he had to take the ball down the field to set up the game when he field goal nine seconds left. I I had more faith in Tom Herman, the offensive mind. And I don't know that if he's having Larry Fedora put the game plan together and then, you know, he's talking about it with Tim Beck and Larry Fedora and then they're on the headset in a game trying to make adjustments. I mean, you know, that's not how Lincoln Riley's doing it. I guarantee you. He's in the film room. He's doing it all. And he's leading the charge. He knows how to make the adjustments. It just seems like it's it's not really a, a cohesive, clean line of communication going to Sam Ellinger. He looks confused, and he looks he's not being put in a position to succeed. You're right. The guy's a gamer. He's a winner. He's he'll do anything for the school. He's come up with big moments. He he's, he ran his ass off against Georgia. Took hit after hit. He ran seven times on that final drive, and he was getting killed when he got into the end zone and put it away. I mean, they've got to help him. The the coaching is not there right now. It's not Sam. He's pressing, and that's coaching to put him in a better position to succeed. That's what I'm looking for Saturday at 2.30. Either one of you. Defensively, who all are they getting back this weekend after the off uh, week and all the injuries and how much has that played into the state of the defense? I mean, hell, 48 points against Kansas. It turned into a circus in the fourth quarter. Uh, and I don't care if you're down to your second stringers at Texas. You shouldn't. That shouldn't happen. It just was nuts to watch that happen. You're right. You know, you hear of a Texas program, you know that they're going to have athletes on the team. There's no question about yeah. that. Um, you know, my father-in-law has been a longtime coach in the state of Texas. And he, you know, watches, he's retired now, so he's watched a lot of college football and he's watched a lot of Texas. And, you know, I was kind of down on the defense early in the year saying, you know, what the heck is going on? These are some, you know, former five-star prospects, four-star prospects. And I go to coach, I call him coach, and I go to coach and ask him about it. And he said this to me, and it's really stuck with me since he said it. He said, if the injuries on the Texas defense were spread across the board, then there would be no excuse for Texas to say that injuries are the reason for the defensive performance. He goes, however, the injuries are all in the secondary yeah. for the most part or the middle of the field, um, you know, with losing Jeffrey McCulloch, a linebacker also to injury. He was like, I don't care if you are Alabama. I don't care if you're Florida. I don't care if you're Clemson. I don't care if you're LSU. There are very, very, very few teams, if any, out there would be able to really rebound in having all of those types of injuries in one part of the defense. And, you know, that's really stuck with me. Um, You know, at one point, you know, against TCU, for instance, my goodness, there's a true freshman safety starting alongside of Brandon Jones. 
and um, and I'm sorry, alongside of Montrell Estelle, who, you know, people still need to know how to spell his name because he's never really seen the field in his first three years being at Texas. And then their backups were true freshman cornerback Kenyatta Watson, and then um, a uh, you know, what is a redshirt junior cornerback Donovan Duvernay, who hasn't really seen the field ever since he's been at Texas. So, you know, when you're that diminished, it's hard to. Texas fans don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear that injuries really impact it. But this was already a defense that was entering the year with a lot of question marks, losing eight starters on that side of the ball, and then losing all of the players in the secondary definitely just added insult to injury. You know, no pun intended there. But I think it'll be interesting to see how well this defense really can rebound this week. Um, they will be getting back uh, sophomore safety Caden Stern. Um, uh, sophomore safety, B.J. Foster, they are who plays more nickelback. He will be back. They'll also have cornerback Jalen Green. He returned for the TCU game, but he was still a little bit rusty. He didn't start against TCU just because he had been out since October 20, since halftime of the Oklahoma State game, basically, which I believe was October 21st. So um, he'll have two weeks now to get healthy. So, you know, if, if this secondary struggles as much as it has in recent weeks, then I maybe have to call my father-in-law and be like, I think we were wrong about the injury <laughs> part of it. It may just be a secondary issue. But I think there's, there, to be honest, there's just only to go up right now. There's really no place else to go but up because of how, uh, you know, kind of pieced together this defense and secondary had been basically with bubble gum and duct tape. So um, it's definitely something to watch for everybody. Because of the long, pathetic history of Kansas State football before Bill Snyder, Kansas State's records against almost every opponent are strongly in favor of opponent, even Kansas. They, they own the series historically going back, you know, because of what they did before 1950. Um, but Texas was a team that they hadn't encountered until the Big 12 really came around. Texas, oddly enough, is one of the few teams that Kansas State holds an advantage in the all-time series over. It's amazing. And I feel like, and I want you both to give me quick answers on this, a lot of that is Texas never seems to take K-State as seriously as it takes Oklahoma or other opponents. I feel like they kind of look down on little brother, and little brother keeps winning the games. Is is there any reality to that? Yeah, I mean, to me, um, K-State was always the more buttoned-up, detail-oriented team. And Mac Brown, toward the end, was a victim of legacy prison, in my mind. And love Mac, but at the end, it was, what are you doing for me? Why Get me back to the national championship game. Get me back to that game against Alabama that we should have won and and we lost. And it, it... they lost focus. K-State is always going to be the team that makes you look bad. As you said, Fitz, they are detail-oriented. They are about you know, very specific, finite goals that it seems every program should be uh, adhering to. But K-State, because of Bill Snyder, because of Chris Kleiman, do an exceptional job. And I think Kleiman's doing a really good job of developing personal relationships that are that are going to pay off. K-State's going to be a nightmare because these players connect with him. He's tough, but they know he cares. And as Taylor mentioned earlier, Tom Herman burns hot. If he's the bad cop, and he he has admitted to me that, look, when I came in, I was the crazy-eyed drill sergeant. Okay, that's how Jimmy Johnson was when he came in to the Cowboys. You better have really good assistants who can be the good cop. 
right. who can clean up the mess and say, hey, man, he's mad. It, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I don't think Tom Herman has that right now. I think some assistants are burning too hot, too, and the players are checking. It, it's a dangerous game if you're going to be the crazy at drill sergeant as the head coach because they have to know you care. And I just think K-State has been the more detail-oriented, better coached team, the Charlie Strong era. Oh, Lord. I, I still remember every minute of that 23 to nothing shutout. I felt like that game lasted six hours. Um, and it was early, too, and the sun was pounding right into the press box. Uh, those 11 a.m. games, Fitz is laughing because he knows what I'm talking about. Um, so, yeah, I mean – it, 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 it kind of the way that Texas always had Nebraska's number, K State has had Texas's number. It is, it's funny, it's crazy, it's quirky, but I have a feeling that Chris Kleiman, I mean, Tom Herman's 2 0 against K State, but this is Chris Kleiman now. I think Saturday's going to be a hell of a, hell of a fight. It's interesting you said that about Mac because that's kind of how Bill Snyder ended. Kind of lost a little of the focus, didn't recruit as well, talent dropped off, and it really became about, well, I'm just going to stick around and continue to do this because this is what I do. Not really about Kansas State football, and that's why the change was made. Taylor, what do you think? Do you think uh, they'll Nebraska, excuse me, Texas will be emotionally ready for this game? I had a conversation with a media member about this today, actually, at the player um, availability that we had, and I think that I think a lot of us media members have given Texas the benefit of the doubt week in and week out. And at this point, there's really no reason to give Texas the benefit of the doubt based off of how the last three games have really gone. Um, I think that, you know, I, I'm kind of in a show me, don't tell me thing, especially mm-hmm. after hearing, you know, for so long that, oh, this team's united, this team's a united front, there's no discord or anything. But then we hear something entirely different Then there's, you know, transition of players leaving midseason and, you know, recruits decommitting. I mean, there's just a perfect storm of disaster, it seems, brewing right now. And until I see Texas actually play up to the quote-unquote standard they have set, which apparently is to play for championships, we haven't seen that championship level from Texas in covering them, um, especially in recent weeks. It has not been a team that has performed well on both sides of the ball at at the same time you know it seems to be one side's doing well and the other side is struggling and then you know the defense has been struggling all year it's it's forcing turnovers putting the offense in scoring position and the offense just crumbles I mean it just seems to just not be a very disciplined or um you know I guess uh unified team in general so I think until Texas starts playing that way and showing it I'm I'm not picking Texas to win this game I'm just not I think that Kansas State, Texas is getting them in Texas fans' standpoint at the worst possible time because Kansas State is only looking better with each game. And I think that it's going to be, you know, a huge challenge. And I think that at this point it's really, really hard to give Texas any benefit of the doubt. So I'm I'm definitely thinking that this is going to be Chris Kyman starting off 1-0 against uh, Texas in his uh, tenure as head coach. Very interesting. Well, Fitzy, real quick, too, special teams – have been a disaster. Interesting. You know, I think I think K State may have turned its season around with Malik Knowles' kick return against Mississippi State. Right. That that game a couple times could have gotten away from K State 
And Malik Knowles returns that kick 100 yards, and, and K-State finishes that game. And they walk out of SEC country feeling really good about themselves. Right. And Texas had that against Rice to cover. Like, Deshaun Jameson had a 98-yard kick return to cover against Rice. And, and since then, it's been muffed punts. It's been can't catch a fair catch. They have their negative yardage in punt returns. Oh, it's their dead-ass last hard to do. in FBS. <laughs> Terrible. I mean, it's like, what, Taylor? It's like nine, eight, nine returns for minus 12 yards. We're eight games, nine games, whatever. It is a season. This is embarrassing. <laughs> K-State, again, has been – Special teams have always been a fulcrum that they've used to their advantage, and we'll see if they do that on Saturday in Austin. The game kicks at 2.30. That's Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, my buddies from the Horns 24-7 site. They're the best in the business covering Texas football, and the folks at 24-7 are lucky to have them. Guys, thank you very much. I appreciate you joining me on the Powercat pregame podcast. That's it for this segment of the Powercat pregame podcast. On the other side of this little break comes our analysts. They're lined up, all three of them ready to go as we continue this preview of the Cats and Horns on the Powercat pregame podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. The experts from GoPowerCat.com will return with more on the Powercat pregame podcast, presented by Robbins Motor Company. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. We now send it back to the PowerCat podcast. Joining you once again, it's Tim Fitzgerald and Go PowerCat football analyst Marcus Watts. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast as we look at Kansas State at Texas. The Wildcats are 6 and 2 in the season. The Longhorns are 5 and 3. And we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And we kick off our analyst half of the podcast with the guy we always do it with, the one and the only Marcus Watts in studio this week. Yeah. He, he's celebrating another win over Kansas by coming to the studio. Yeah, it's Let's start there. It, work, it worked out this this week. It did. It, Probably the only time it's going to work out yeah, the rest of the year. Yeah, it's all right. We'll make it work. It always sounds good. Uh, as long as your phone holds up, our setup works pretty well with calls. Um, boy, that was a dominating performance against Kansas. That was refreshing, and it's, it's kind of like, yeah, this kind of feels like old times. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. I honestly was. I thought K-State would struggle a little bit on defense, but this defense 
week in and week out, just getting better, getting better, getting better. They just fly the ball. Their their tackling's getting better. Obviously, it was going to struggle a little bit at the beginning of the year, and it, the first two Big Twelve games they did struggle a little bit. But now that they've gotten some games under them, know how coaches are going to call the games, how they want them to play. Uh, they're starting to step up and actually play to their abilities. AJ Parker being injured concerns me, but after what I saw last weekend with the running backs going down to number three with Harry Trotter and guys below that and being so effective. I actually feel better about injury situations now than I did under Coach Snyder. To be really blunt, I feel like the corners are deeper than two guys and they're going to fill in. But still, A.J. Parker's been just been money this year. Yeah, it's a big loss. But the thing is, is you know, you can kind of hide it a little bit. And Texas really isn't a team that's going to kill you with the passing game. Um, that's not their forte. They want to run the ball and uh, run Sam Ellinger. So, you know, if you can manage on the outside, you may not be able to play as much man. You may have to play more zone, uh, more cover two. Uh, and as long as the front f- the front four and the linebackers can control the run game, then you can put more guys in coverage. They are sneaky good in the passing game. Sam Ellinger is third in the conference at 297 yards a game. And, of course, Devin DuVernay is leading the Big 12 in receptions at 69 for the season and 800 yards. You know what? I really think if you take away Sam Ellinger run in the run, it changes them dramatically. And you've got to start there. I know they like to throw the ball, but his ability to run sets a lot of that up. And some of the run comes off of, you know, just like Skyler with pass plays that don't develop and he takes off. But you you can't let Sam Ellinger run on you. You just can't. He's big and physical. He's like Colin Klein. But if you can take him away, you're in much better shape. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's exactly like Colin Klein when he was here. I mean, he's a bruiser. He's going to hit you. He's going to fall forward. He's always going to gain an extra two yards after contact. Uh, and so it's going to be important for K-State to just bottle him up. And you're not going to be able to arm tackle him. He's just too big and too strong. No. He's a big physical running back. That's what he is. And so K-State's going to have to control that because if he's able to you know, have like one of those 80 to 100-yard rushing games, then it's it's going to hurt K State in the fact that they're they're going to have to commit guys more to stopping the run, uh, and which opens up the passing game. And with AJ Parker out, it, it, it could become a headache. I don't like the fact that Texas had a bye week before. I mean, they have to have one eventually, but it, they were able to get a lot of guys healthy. And Texas has been beat up, really especially happened. on the defensive side of the ball. And it sounds like they're going to get a lot of those guys back. So you can't really look at Texas and what KU did to Texas because. They've just, they've they're so thin on defense early in the year, and so it's going to be a completely different Texas team this week. Is that a valid excuse for Texas? I mean, look, you recruit four or five star guys every year at every position, or you get high three star guys. The fact that they have one injury or two injuries, I'm like, it's more than that though. You bring in your next guy, and he's still a four star guy. Yeah, but when you're when these guys haven't played a down, but they're playing some young yeah. guys too, and they're the cohesiveness. Players not knowing what to do, you know, they're just you know they're playing slow because they're thinking too much because they don't play a lot. Then yeah, it doesn't matter if you're a four, four, or five star guy. Football's a team sport. It's not an individual sport unless you're on special teams. So should they be able to beat KU or or be able to play with or destroy KU, kind of like K State did? Yeah, they should. Yeah, with, with the stars that they have at their at their university. But KU went in there with a new offense that nobody's yeah. ever seen. Probably weren't prepared for it at all. The RPO game. 
and, and, and they got exposed. Texas is a little bit soft. Tom Herman's tried to toughen them up. They were soft under Charlie Strong. It's just like these guys are mentally weak, but their backs are against the wall. They're sitting at five and three. They're getting themselves into big trouble right now. They still got a lot of games ahead of them that they can lose, including this weekend. They're favored by five and a half as we record this earlier in the week. But I always wonder about Texas's psyche going into K-State games. And I, I find it hard to believe that even though they need this, they're going to be really stoked for Kansas State. I think they look past people because they look down on them. They're not going to be looking down on, on Kansas State. I mean, Kansas State's had Texas's numbers over the years. And, you know, K-State's ranked gives them a chance Texas is not ranked so you know it gives them the chance to be a ranked opponent it's at home after a bye week the players are itching to play this is going to be one of those games which K-State has shown I was a little worried after the hangover off of Oklahoma that they weren't going to come out ready to play this is another one of those games that the players have this is a tough three-game stretch for K-State uh, Oklahoma which I thought that they would lose then playing you know your rival the next week and then going to play in the other you know, big powerhouse per se in Texas. If they can get away from this week with a win and finish three and zero in this three weeks, that is a huge accomplishment. And I love the approach Chris Kleiman has. You know, I pointed out in a column earlier this week, Coach Snyder was get a little bit better every day, and Coach Kleiman is embrace the process, be a process based team program, not a results based one. So. Worry about Monday, worry about Tuesday, worry about Wednesday. And when game rolls around, worry about that. And when you get into the game, worry about that play, not the scoreboard. Worry about that play. Win that play, win the next play. I love it. It just boils it down. And even if you're in a bad matchup, you know, a matchup that the experts think uh, is tough for K-State, like Oklahoma, when you don't think about winning the game, you think about winning the play. It makes it so much more easier for the psyche of particularly young guys to, to embrace. Yeah, I can beat these guys on this play, and I can do it on this play. And then it adds up, and what happens? They're winning. Yeah, it's easier said than done to get coach to make the players do to think like that. And it seems like, you know, the good thing is, is Coach Schneider is a lot like that. And mm-hmm. so these players are – it's already ingrained in their heads is to play each play, win the play. And so when Coach Kleiman came in and you have the turnover – there's not a lot of change. Now, the terminologies may be different and stuff, but a lot of the same thinking. So it's it's easy. Now, this team is playing lights out. I hope they continue to do it and and come away with the win against Texas. It'd be huge for the, for the university. Um, not only that, but also in the recruiting aspects. You know, these last two weeks have been huge for Coach Kleiman's staff uh, and for the university. We, we thought that K-State could get to six wins. We really didn't think after eight weeks. After the Mississippi State game, we had them you know, winning the Super Bowl. But uh, in fairness, what happened then was brought them back down to earth. And now I think they are found themselves again, and they're playing a better brand of football. But getting to bowl eligibility, getting that off your back, and now you can just play for better and better and better, it's got to be a good mental state to go into a game. After a big win, the worst thing is a bye. Right. And that happened to K-State. You know, after the Mississippi State game, they had a bye, went to Oklahoma State. And, you know, to keep the thinking and the, the same thing every that you're doing every week up until that point, it all changed and because of the bye week. So they've been able to go same week, week in and week out since Oklahoma now. And, and so are TCU, Oklahoma, and, you know, they just keep going, going, going. And, and the team, it's it just the psyche of a player is just keep me in the groove, keep me in the groove, same thing every day. 
we're creatures of habits <laughs> almost to an annoying fault. But, right. um, you know, that's what's, I think, honestly, even though I think that they'd like to have a bye week later in the season, having those two bye weeks early um, has helped this team in that they don't have to worry about having a bye week. Yeah, I agree. I think a bye week after this week would be really nice heading into those final three games, but it is what it is. You've got them out of the way way too early, but now you've built up a head of steam. You've come out of that bye week and you're rattling off wins. I feel good about this game. I, Sam Ellinger, I have tremendous respect for him. I think I like his game, and mostly because uh, he's a bulldog. He gets after you. He's hard to beat. He's hard to put down. But if they can limit his damage, I think K-State gets out of here with a win. I, You're less confident? I, you know, I'm not less confident because this team has proven me wrong week in and week out yeah. of what we're going to expect from this team. And this team seems to be gelling right now, the leadership and everything. It just seems to be cohesive. So I don't think – I think K-State's going to be in this game. I just think it's a very tough game for K-State to win, especially with Texas coming off their bye week and with them getting so many players back that have been injured. Um, but, you know, if they play like they have – the last two weeks, K-State will come away with a win. You know, the one thing you can always say about Texas is they have athletes. Big, fast guys on the defense. That could overwhelm that K-State offensive line, much like what Baylor did. They just couldn't get anything accomplished. So that's really, for K-State in every game, that's the matchup. Can the offensive line handle the opposing front seven? And if they can, K-State's in really good shape. They didn't against TCU, but the defense got the job done. Really, for K-State to function, run the ball, establish physicality, and that's what they did to Kansas. They just started beating them up from the very first possession and beat them up all afternoon. Yeah, and what's K-State had trouble with all year? Three-man front defenses yeah, have given them trouble. three-man front defenses have given them trouble. Don't be surprised to see some, some three-man front with Texas having a bye week. They could easily put something in for a game like this. You know, and I think that's why we saw a lot of option from Kansas State at Kansas because that three-man front is less equipped at times to do that. Uh, and then KU's defense coordinator apparently doesn't know how to stop an option. Seems like a basic thing you probably want on your resume. <laughs> Knows how to stop option. Nobody runs it anymore. I know, exactly. His name's Marcus Watts. He's been our football analyst for a number of years, and he is still the leader of the pack as we add more and more voices to our crew here at GoPowerCat.com. And we appreciate Marcus stopping by to see us this week in the WTC Geek Power Studios. And now we continue our talk with our Go Cat analyst by bringing in Brian Hanley. And Brian will be doing the post-game podcast this weekend after the Texas game with Riley Gates. I will be in Las Vegas covering the basketball game for the Wildcats. And unfortunately, they're simultaneous, so I won't get a full view of the game. Yes, I'll be watching it on Press Row on my ESPN app, but uh, I won't be really soaking in everything because I will be covering basketball and a big game for the Wildcats on the, the hardwood as they opened basketball season Tuesday night at Bramlage Coliseum. Brian, another big win. Back-to-back big wins. The third victory in a row for the Wildcats. They've really changed the context of their season after those two losses, now 6-2, and two, now bowl eligible, four games to play, starting at Texas. This is the big test, though, coming down the stretch. Out of these four games, this is the one that if they can get this one to me, baby, they really got it rolling. And I think Texas is going to be healthier, and they need this. This is going to be a great matchup. Yeah, it is. Um, it's going to be big for K-State, like you said. Um, but I think it's a game where we need to 
put the pressure on ourselves to go win a game that we should be able to win. You know, there's nothing wrong with with having those expectations of wanting to go or, or expecting to go win a football game. Uh, Texas is good. Texas has lost some games. They've been injured. But let's make no mistake, Texas is a really good football team. But so is K-State. So now it's time to go prove it and go win this game. I like the matchup. I like the, the fact that we can dominate the line of scrimmage. And if we can continue to do that, I think things are going to go well Saturday. It all comes down to stopping Sam Ellinger. And, you you know, when you talk about him, everyone wants to think about his running game. I know I do. But he's averaging almost 300 yards a game through the air. He chucks it yeah. around pretty good. And a big part of that is his running game makes you stay honest. You got to stay in because if you just commit everyone to stop the pass, he just takes off on you and kills you. But this is a Colin Klein type guy. Maybe throw first and Colin was run first, but there's some real similarities in how they approach the game. Physical, um, strong, tough leaders that the team can take on their persona. Yeah, he's really, really taken on the the mantra of Texas and basically his outside of the coach has really become the face of their program and he's playing well. It's kind of what you said. You think of him first as a runner, but he's really, really made big, big strides throwing the football. So I I just think it's one of those things to where he's going to be able to keep moving, keep going. Uh, Hopefully that we, like I said, we can have a guy maybe spy or just do what we do. Just, you know, man up and dominate the line of scrimmage and keep them under control because they really don't hand the ball off to their running backs very often. So if we can keep them under control running and turn them one dimensional, I think we'll be okay. Devin DuVernay, their top receiver. He is the top receiver in the Big 12, averaging eight and a half catches a game, 100 yards a game. They they use this guy quite a bit. He's awfully fun to watch, and uh, they've turned into quite the connection. But you're right. Their top running back, Ingram, comes in and, you know, in 10th in the conference in rushing. This is a game in which Ellinger's kind of the guy. He's going to throw it, he's going to run it, and everyone knows that. But for me, really, it comes down to how Texas can defend. They've really struggled as of late because the injuries have piled up. Kansas went wild on them, although Texas found a way to win because Texas's offense was better than KU's beleaguered defense. Um, For me, it's about K-State being able to come out and establish the run and do the things that K-State likes to do. They did it with a very talented Oklahoma team, and this is going to be another supreme test. Can they move off the line of scrimmage, move around really big athletic defensive linemen and linebackers? We're going to find out real quick in this game. Yeah, I I think that's going to be definitely going to be the key. Uh, K-State comes up with some different blocking schemes uh, that we've that I've ever seen, uh, but and they work, and I think they're outstanding. I think we're going to keep going back to some of those things. Like I've never seen an outside zone play where the backside guard goes to, to that side, stops, and then kicks out the the backside defensive end, and our running back is literally running in that hole. I've never seen anything like that. That's some of the things that K-State does. We're going to have to continue to do that and just continue, like I said, just both sides of the line of scrimmage, offense and defense. You know, getting out and running the football, but definitely stopping them from what make them one-dimensional. If they have to throw on every down, that's K-State's advantage. Right. 
Right. It's it's an intriguing matchup. And as I mentioned, I feel like this really holds the key to the stretch for K-State. At three in a row, getting number four, coming home to play West Virginia before you go to Texas Tech. You've got very tangible victories waiting if you continue to play good football. We know in this conference, if you don't play good on any day, you can lose a game. And then, of course, they close with Iowa State. But at six and two, they're sitting pretty. Is it tough as a coach to keep your team focused? Because that's what Chris Kleiman keeps talking about, the process, the process, the process. Worry about this day. Is it, How tough is that to stay locked in? I would say sometimes it is, Tim. But for this team, it doesn't seem to be that way. They're kind of cut from a different cloth. I think these guys are hungry. You know, missing out on a bowl game last year, that stings a little bit. Yeah. Also, realizing where you can go, there's at six and two. I think that we have a very intelligent football team, and they understand if we keep winning, we win this game and the next, the next. When we keep winning, where's that bowl game going to be? And I believe that the guys want to fight and just continuously get better and win football games. I mean, heck, we went out. I mean, I know this is looking way ahead, but we went out and the right things happened. We can be in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, it's so, crazy. You know, we just got to, I mean, again, and I'm not one to shy away. I, I don't believe you have to shy away from wanting what's out there. I don't believe you. I know you have to look at it day by day. But hey, here's the big picture, and this is how you climb the ladder to get there. And Texas is that first step. It's really incredible to stop and think about it because those things are tangible. If they went out and, let's say, Baylor beats Oklahoma, Kansas State holds that tiebreaker with Oklahoma, but they really yeah. can't even stop to think about that. We can. Correct. They need to just keep, right. keep grinding away <laughs> at the process and, and really buying into it. And they have been lately. I think they lost sight a little bit when Big 12 play opened. They beat Mississippi State. And I think they might have thought it would be a little more easy at Oklahoma State than it was, and they got hit in the mouth and didn't respond. And Baylor, it turns out, is just a really good football team. And K-State yeah. wasn't quite ready for that. I would be interested to see if K-State got a hold of Baylor again later in the season, what would happen. Right. I'm uh, excited about this game. I'll have it recorded. I'll get to watch it a little bit later on a Saturday night. It fascinates me. It really does because Texas has been so beaten up and they had the off week and they're coming back. But here they are. Kansas State is tied with Texas and Iowa State at three and two. Uh, Oklahoma State sits behind them at three and three. Oklahoma State and Kansas are one game ahead of everyone else in terms of number of games played in the conference. They're off both teams this weekend and everyone will have six games in the pocket as we head into the final three. Your feelings about this game? Is this one Kansas State can pull out? Absolutely. I really feel this way. I'm not being a homer. I mean, I think you know me well enough. I'm not a homer. I just call it like it is. K-State can dominate both sides of the football. And I believe that they will dominate both sides of the football, uh, especially on offensive line. And that's what I really mean. I'm, on both lines, I believe that they're just going to be able to dominate that and be able to move Texas where they want to move them and not be moved. And right. that's the thing. Our front seven is playing very, very well and not be moved, be in the right positions. Um, so I believe that K-State is going to win this football game. It's, not, it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a battle. It's not going to be a blowout. It's not going to be easy. Uh, but you know what? I don't think it should be easy. So 
I think we're ready. I, I know this. You better not have the same kind of penalties you had at Kansas. Whether they're legit yeah. penalties or not, you can't carry 11 penalties and 100-plus yards and expect to win this game. you got to get back down to four and below like you have been. Exactly, yeah. Can't, can't play a sloppy game. You know, we didn't play a sloppy game against OU, and we won. You're not going to expect – don't expect to play a sloppy game and beat Texas. That's just – I mean, that is not going to happen. That much I can tell you right now. We play a sloppy game turnover-wise, and it's not a clean game penalty-wise. We're going to lose, so we got to clean that up. His name's Brian Hanley. He was on those great 97-98 K-State football teams blocking for Michael Bishop and company, and he is one of our football analysts. He will be on hand in Austin for the Kansas State game, and he will team up with our own Riley Gates on a little change-up version of the Powercat postgame podcast sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. Brian, I appreciate it very much, and have fun in Austin. I love that town. I will. Thank you very much. And now we bring in Kelly Stewart, also known as Kelly in Vegas on social media. She started in the Showtime series Action, and you can find her at wagertalk.com and check out our wagertalk.com videos each week, breaking down the game from the gambling perspective from the experts at Wager Talk. And if you need a gambling proxy service, look up Kelly in Vegas proxy service. Kelly, I get to see you this weekend. Yes. I don't know if I'm going to make it to that basketball game or no. not. No. I mean, it's I'm just. I'm kind of mad about this scheduling. I know. Whose idea was this? I know. I mean, you, you schedule the basketball game. UNLV doesn't care about K-State football, but they picked 1 o'clock, which seemed like the window most likely to be overlapped with a football game. I think my aunt even texted me that Bruce thought that it was going to be a nighttime day. And it doesn't make sense that it's not a Saturday night. Especially in Vegas. Why not? Why not give everybody all day to, you know, have fun, watch football, and then get to watch some basketball. So, K-State basketball, you know, looked terrible in the first half last night, came back, got the cover, uh, at least if you bet the closing number they did. So, I was pretty pretty happy with the second half performance from those guys. So, hopefully, they put on a good show for us here in Vegas, and I'll let you know if I end up making it or not. I, I keep going back and forth. Football just has more special place in my heart than basketball. And I'm like, you know, if I get there and the service isn't very good and we actually pull this upset on Texas, I'm going to be not very happy that I missed the game. I agree. I mean, let's be honest here. It's an early season basketball game against a significant Big 12 football game. It's an easy choice if you have a choice. Although I think some K-Staters in Vegas are going to get to the game. I get to see a buddy, a fraternity brother that's out there, Al Jones. And, you know, I'll, I'll just make the most of it. I will be watching on Press Row as I cover basketball and have my ESPN app going on my computer also. It'll be really a... A nice effort by me to really focus on basketball. <laughs> yeah, to try to try to multitask there. You know, I, I got I've got to watch both, and I will take football. I mean, that will be in my DVR, but um, it would be nice to see it. At least know what happened during the course of the game. Real quick, K State basketball uh, on. Tuesday night tipped off, and they looked a little like I expected in the first half. North Dakota State's a pretty good mid-major team. They went to the tournament and returned almost everyone, and 
they struggled in the first half. I thought they'd struggle in the whole game, to be honest. No slight to K-State. That's a compliment towards North Dakota State. And then they got it going in the second half. This is going to be a, a little journey. I don't think K-Staters are quite ready. They, I don't think most fans understand how good the defense was in the past from just repetition and those guys knowing exactly what to do. And it's all got to be learned by some young players. You know, absolutely it does. And I still have a, a decent amount of faith. I texted you yesterday. Hey, yeah. I'm going to go down to circuit. They have college football or college basketball season win totals. I wanted to put down a couple and I wanted a reason to cheer for K-State because I'm probably not going to get involved in K-State games that much this year because of last year. They're going to be overvalued early on. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, they were 14 and a half point favorites. It closed at 11. So if you bet it early, you bet North Dakota State early, you got the you got the cover. If you bet it late and you were late to the party, you did not. So a lot of those guys that I friends with had 12 yesterday. And I told him, I said, you know, you're, you're a little late here. The wise guys played it early because North Dakota state is a good basketball program. So we're going to see some ups and downs with K-State, but I do think that this team can win 18 games. Yeah. It's 17 and a half. the over under on wins, right? Yes. I would take that. I would I would go over on that. I think they will be better than that. I just think it's going to be a little bit of an adventure here, a little roller coaster ride, um, because uh, losing those kind of ingredients off your team hurts you in so many ways, but I, it really hurts you in defense. Those guys were so good defensively, um, but uh, that's that'll be interesting to watch them in person out in Vegas uh, and, you know, actually have to work. It's it's going to be hard for me. You know, it's like I, taking me to the circus. That's why I keep going back and forth. I'm like, you know, if, if ticket prices are relatively cheap on Saturday morning, and I, I get off work and I can just cruise over from Caesars Palace. I don't see why I won't at least go watch part of the game. Uh, two years ago when K-State was here and uh, lost, I forget who they lost to in the very first round. I, I got mad and then I gave away my second set of tickets. <laughs> sure enough, they won the game, you know. I, I, I kind of wonder if maybe I'm a bad luck charm, though they did beat KU last year when I was there. So we'll see. We'll see how it ends up playing out. But I, I have a little bit more. I guess I should say I have higher hopes for this for this team than probably most people do. Ken Palm is a very respected college uh, basketball guy that puts out his numbers, and he has this one in 17 games. I think a couple could go our way, including a KU game or two. I was not that impressed with KU last night. No, no, and, you know, they were playing a little bit better opponent than K-State did, but, you know, they're a young team, too. It's going to be growing pains, and speaking of growing pains, Kansas State football went through some earlier this year, and they seem to be roaring out of those growing pains now at 6-2, and two. heading to Texas this weekend. They opened as a five-and-a-half-point underdog. What has happened to the number since the opening number? Yeah, it's gotten bet up to seven, and I think that's what bookmakers expected. I had a Texas buddy text me and say, hey, what? why is this number so high? I said, I don't know. I made the game Texas minus two-and-a-half. This is nuts. Yeah, uh, we I do agree. know Texas is a very public team. We've seen it time and time again, but man, Coach Kleiman is right up there with Matt Rule for Big 12 Coach of the Year. Tom Herman is just Tom Herman. He does well in the underdog role, but as a favorite, he's just not that great. Eight and 19 in his last 27. Like I said, he's known for being that scrappy underdog when he was at Ohio State, Houston, and now at Texas. But this is a tough one for me. You have this K State offense that looks like. With Thompson, you know, last week you and I talked about with Brown and Gilbert being out, what does that mean? Next thing you know, we have a third-string running back that comes in. Well, 
my buddy that's a KU fan texts me at halftime, you guys don't need a running back. You have Skylar Thompson. I said, you know, you make a good point. 300, what was it, 342 yards yeah. on the ground. Uh, listen, this is just a K-State team that is playing with a chip on their shoulder. I, uh, I joked with athletic director Gene Taylor. We follow each other on Twitter, and I had heard the funny story about Les Miles supposedly asking where the Governor's Cup was, and I'd seen different rumors, and I messaged him. He goes, you know, it's not, a, it's not as cool of a story that's going around on social media, but, yes, they had asked, hey, you know, will, will it be in attendance? Will we be able to celebrate on the field if we were to win the game? He goes, it wasn't as cool as the, the fabricated story. And I'm like, man, I love that fabricated story so much more. And last week, K-State football had so much motivation because of the trash talk factor. Everybody thought they were going to be in a letdown spot. And you don't have letdown spots against rivalries. Now, this is a Texas team that K-State has owned for a better part of my adult life, though recently they haven't played well against Texas. So this is just something to think about here when looking to bet this game. I don't think Tom Herman's defense is good at all. As a matter of fact, I would rank them in the very bottom of the Big 12 almost, right up there with KU's defense. And we're going to see that same scenario play out this week. Can K-State's defense step up like they did the last two weeks? And I think they can. Uh, there's an old adage, take the better defense plus the points. I don't want to tout K-State too much, but I think this line is too high, Tim. Yeah, even if they lose, seven seems like an awfully big gap for a Texas team that's struggling to find itself. Granted, they've had injuries. They have been beaten up in the secondary. That has hurt them. But to what degree, I will argue, probably not as dramatic as Texas fans want to lean on. And uh, there's something going wrong well, right be now. The excuse. If, if K-State goes down there and pulls off the upset, that'll be the excuse. Yeah. We're hurt. We're banged up. You know, you, they had they had a week off. They had some time to rest. They've had some time to lick their wounds from almost losing to KU. I, I think Texas is going to come out rolling. And, uh, yeah, K-State's defense is going to have their hands full. I think Ellinger doesn't get enough credit. I think I the kid's a pretty good quarterback. And uh, it's going to be a great game. But, you know, Coach Kleiman's still got to hang his hat on that 27-2 and straight-up mark in his last 29 games. And, uh, you know, we've joked before that he really doesn't know how to lose. So hopefully he keeps that one going. It'll be a big challenge for K-State. I think the biggest challenge remaining in this season for the Wildcats as they head down the home stretch in the final third of the schedule, the number that always jumps out at me, K-State owns a 10-9 to advantage in this series with Texas. Not many programs can say they have a winning number against Texas. And K-State has lost two in a row. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I joked. I mean, it was even in women's basketball, baseball, yeah. track. Anytime that I saw on social media that we beat Texas in something, fly fishing or whatever, our bass fishing team, <laughs> it's just great because that literally has been the joke. So I hope we get back to those winning ways. If we lose at Texas – um, I won't be surprised. Again, the, yeah. the numbers say that Texas, I think, is probably a field goal better at home. We'll see. I think there's going to be a lot of purple in Austin, too. I, I know a lot of uh, Texas fans that aren't going to the game. Many people have asked me, hey, do you want to buy my tickets? Are you going to go? I'm not, obviously. But it's something to consider. So the, you know, eight to 10,000 K-State fans that are there, and, you know, we have so many alumni that live in the state of Texas hoping that, uh, you know, they can make a little bit of impact down there. Well, it's going to be a really good game, I think. Uh, Texas is reaching the desperation level at 5-3. and three. They do get a lot of their injured players back. Tom Herman needs the win. But I also sense that there's real discontent in the locker room right now. So this is a very fascinating game. There's so many moving parts here. I would certainly take K-State and, you know, a number like 7, but... Uh, then again, I'm not a gambler. I won't be at the window when I'm 
in Vegas, much to the disappointment of my friend Kelly. I know. We'll see. Maybe we'll 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 see what the number ends up being on K State UNLV, and I'll I'll bring you down a ticket to give you something to cheer for. <laughs> Let's move on to the Big Twelve. It's a little bit more full slate than it was last week, although we do have two teams idle, Kansas being one of them. Uh, intriguing game. Baylor goes to TCU. Alex Delton quit the team at TCU this week after being passed over during last week's game. I think Alex said, "You know what? Enough of this. I was told I was going to be." the starter now i'm not playing why am i even in fort worth texas and he's left the team so uh, tcu seems to be having some issues but the frogs are at home where they're much better and baylor comes in unbeaten how do you feel about this game this is a really interesting line here baylor two and a half point road favorite against a tcu team that i thought looked great against texas i played them against Texas, especially as a one-point favorite um but last week you know even Oklahoma State, without their best player, looked good for the better part of that game. I do think that, that Gundy needs a little bit more coaching credit. I think sometimes we, we look at him in his mullet and think he's a dumb redneck, but he's a, yeah. he's a pretty good I coach, agree. and uh, I think he doesn't get as much respect as he probably should. Uh, also, I can say the same thing for Gary Patterson. I think Gary Patterson's a great coach. I think this is going to be a really good game. I lean towards TCU with the two and a half, but as you mentioned, no Alex Delton leaves them pretty thin there in the quarterback depth chart, and so it's interesting to see if someone he gets hurt what happens and uh have to think about that i I don't want to step in front of this baylor train eight no undefeated baylor has not impressed me i i looked at west virginia last thursday night and i wussed out and sure enough west virginia kept it close and played a good played a good game but yeah gary patterson six and one versus really good opponents like above 700 almost perfect opponents it's tough it, this is a really tough one but i lean baylor texas tech goes to west virginia in a game you couldn't pay me to watch uh, any thoughts on that one that's exactly what i was going to give you uh i don't have much on this i'm looking at this one saying why is texas tech a two and a half point road favorite over this west virginia team that just took baylor to the wire and that's just because west virginia they're not disciplined they don't bring a lot to the table here I lean towards West Virginia in this one, but there's just no way I'm laying two and a half more than anything with Texas Tech on the road. I think that's what this one really boils down to. Sure, the Red Raiders have been competitive. They upset Oklahoma State. They lost to Baylor in overtime. They hung around with Iowa State. They lost on that weird, fluky, missed field goal that KU got to kick again. So they appear to be the better team here. I just, eh. Eventually, the, the clock strikes, strikes midnight for Cinderella, and I know that happened in Lawrence, but I think it happens again in Morgan. Iowa State at Oklahoma in the game that might gain the most interest in Vegas at the window in terms of Big 12 games because uh, it's hard to figure out what's the numbers look like now at Iowa State at Oklahoma. Yeah, this one's interesting. Uh, Oklahoma just a 14.5-point favorite, total of 60. This is an Iowa State team that I was mad. I didn't bet Oklahoma State a uh, I, we talked about it. I didn't bet it. This one is tough. You have an Oklahoma Sooners team off that K-State loss. Then they get to have a bye week and just let that stew. The numbers come out yesterday. I think they were eighth or ninth when I was looking. And then they're talking about, well, is 
Oklahoma's loss to K-State worse than Oklahoma or than Georgia's loss to South Carolina, right? And we have to talk about these things. I think this Oklahoma team comes out with a vengeance. I think they lay the proverbial hammer on Iowa State. And more importantly, the number is low because Iowa State's been competitive in this game the last few years. I'm looking, I'm looking towards the Sooners here. The Sooners 15 and 0 against the spread in games when they have when they're off a of bye week. And that's I mean, that's good. They're a well coached team. I think Lincoln Riley is gonna have these boys ready and Iowa State's not gonna know what hit them. I agree with you. I think the the 14 and a half is intriguing. You know, you get over the 14 mark, it gets a little more dicey. But I think the the 60 points, I just like Oklahoma on both numbers. I, I think they're going to go over and, and cover the 14 and a half. I think they're just going to open it up on a pretty good Iowa State team. But this game being in Norman, I, I think everything happening, the loss, the, the week off, and then that college football playoff ranking coming out and really being a slap in the face to the Sooners, uh, I think they're going to unload. Yeah, from a power ratings perspective, I don't think it's a slap in the face. We all we all knew out here in Vegas for the last couple of weeks, Iowa, or Ohio State was number one. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a slap in the face, but Oklahoma is definitely going to perceive it as one. And, and I don't blame them. I would, too. I would be like, hey, this, is, this isn't right. How is Georgia not being penalized for losing to a crappy South Carolina team? Um, I think it was in the way that K-State won as well. They dominated start to finish. I think there's a lot of things that go into it, yeah. but I think if they want to be back in that consideration, they're going to have to uh, to lay the hammer here against poor Iowa State. And I like Matt Campbell and what he's doing. He might have some tricks up his sleeve, but 14 and a half seems like one of those sportsbook gifts you get every once in a while. And if you're a Sooner fan, you better start cheering for the Longhorns or any opponent playing K-State because K-State has the tiebreaker on you. And if they win out and you lose one more, you may not be in the Big 12 championship game, and that would rock the college football world if the Sooners won. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be huge. I actually think it's going to be probably K-State Baylor um, in the Big 12 championship game. So we're going to see how that ends up playing out. Very good. Her name's Kelly in Vegas, and that wraps up our analyst section of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Kelly, thank you very much. I will see you maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I'll wander perfect. over to Caesars and track you down. That sounds great, Tim. We'll talk to you soon. We've heard from the Go Powercat staff as well as our GPC analysts and Chip Brown and Taylor Estes from Horns 24-7, the Texas site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Winners of three in a row and now ranked 16 in the college football playoffs rankings. K-State is about to venture into the unknown. By facing a Texas team in Austin that is either angry and backed into a corner or on the verge of collapse. Subscribers to GoPowerCat.com can read my five keys to victory analysis friday at gpc but in a minute i will give you my prediction for this game as we wrap up this week's powercat pregame podcast sponsored by robbins motor company where they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships selling quality cars trucks vans suvs and offering top-notch parts and service i remind you that a subscription to gopowercat.com now comes with a free no ads subscription to cbs's all access streaming service it adds more than 100 dollars of value to your 
year subscription when you sign up for our award-winning coverage of K-State Sports at Go Cat. I will be in Las Vegas this weekend covering basketball, so Riley Gates will step in and Go Cat football analyst Brian Hanley, and he will break down what took place between the Longhorns and Wildcats with our Cat post-game podcast. And now it's time for my game prediction, and I'm not about to bet against these cats. Kansas State 31, Texas 27. I'm Go Cat publisher Tim Fitzgerald. It's K-State versus Texas, Saturday at 2.30 p.m. in Austin, Texas. You've been listening to the Powercat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. Powercat podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.